Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Calories and Rice <laughs> podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and again, I'm not going to be joined by Dr. Nkem Jika Kalu, and that's something we have to work on. But today is a beautiful day, and I've been quite fortunate to snag kind of an impromptu podcast. But before that, I want to just give brief mention to our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Arduro, seeks to connect African development professionals with development opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and practices of diaspora Africans in the field. It is also the best site for finding China-Africa work in Africa that I know of. So today we have a very special guest who just flew in from Kenya, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, from Kenya. And the person on the other line is Miss Wendy Wong. And she did not actually fly in from Kenya to see me or be on the podcast. She has other work. But Wendy Wong is part of an organization that you're going to be hearing a lot more of called China House, which basically is a social enterprise that looks to promote Chinese corporate social responsibility in Africa. And they have some of the, the best people who who do China-Africa work on their staff. And it, a number of you might know uh, Hong Shang Huang from a previous episode. And he, he's someone who has a lot of notoriety in the field. But they also have a lot of really excellent people. And, and Wendy's one of them. And Wendy is a uh, business development communications officer, I want to say, for China House, in which she looks to promote engagement with other actors, especially in NGO spaces. Am I getting that correct, Wendy? Um, yes, mainly international organizations and local NGOs in Kenya. Fantastic. So if you are an mm. uh, international organization or local NGO in Kenya, you should contact Wendy at the pod. The other thing about Wendy is that she got her undergraduate degree at Beida, and for some of our more Chinophile listeners, they would know that Beida is the best university in China, although maybe Tsinghua might say something about that, but in any case, one of the top two universities in China, and she studied international affairs, and then she ended up doing research for their African Studies Center at Beida under Professor Liu Haifang, and... Yes. Uh, who who is a really big deal in terms of China Africa scholarship, and Wendy, besides being in Kenya, is currently also a School of International and Public Affairs at Columbia, and you are on your second year, so you should be graduating next year. Is that correct? Uh, I'm supposed to graduate next year, but I decided to stay one more year at Kenya, working for China House before going back to Columbia. So I'll be graduated uh, in two years, actually. I would like to get more like working experience before like going back to Columbia, so that I'm more sure about like which track I'm going to take, and I think it will help more on my um, career path, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't hurt. Well. Mm-hmm. One of the, the reasons I actually wanted to bring Wendy on the pod is because she does research in an aspect of the China-Africa relationship that's really fascinating and that nobody knows anything about, myself included. And it's... Um, yeah, it's true. It's China Youth Africa Volunteers. Is that the official name of this group? Uh, yeah, it's... Um 
I don't think it has like a very specific English name, but it's something like Chinese youth volunteers in Africa. Chinese youth volunteers in Africa. What what's the Chinese name? Uh, it's called that's oh. the Chinese name. Okay, and and this is the equivalent, the Chinese equivalent of the Peace Corps. They're not called the Peace Corps. They have their specific name, and but the reason I wanted to bring Wendy on to talk about them is, I would say around two years ago is my first time hearing about this organization, and I think they're fairly new. Although there's been sort of exchange, technical exchange programs with young Chinese before, but this is a new sort of initiative. And I think it's particularly, it focuses on bringing in uh, young Chinese volunteers, sort of technical volunteers all over the world. And, and in Africa, there, there's a lot of them. And it's, it's a small, it's a, right now it's small, but it, it, it has been growing, but something that a lot of people who study China-Africa relations only hear about a little. And Wendy actually did a lot of research on the topic. So, Wendy, give us a little background mm -hmm. about this group. And, okay. And also, how did you start studying them? Uh, okay, so the Chinese Youth Volunteers to Africa, it's actually not so much of a very new group or a program. Uh, it first started in 2006. The president of China by that time, uh, President Hu, uh, made a speech at the FOCAC Forum of China-Africa Communication. That's the name of it, I think. Yeah, he said uh, China is going to send 300 youth volunteers to Africa. So that's how it started. It's like our president at that time, he claimed like this program. So after that, China has been sending like youth volunteers to different countries of Africa. But um, like it's still like not very a very like scaled up program, I would say. But like still like each year, like the Chinese government sends like like young Chinese to different countries of Africa to do different programs like in English education, in agriculture, in sports, and like different domains, like mm. in different countries. What yeah. is the goal? Why, what does this do for, for, for China? What does it do for these people? What does it do for Africa? You know, uh, one of the roles of Peace Corp is to be the cultural ambassador, like of America, like to all the African countries, like developing countries. So I think for the youth volunteers of China, it kind of has the same uh, mission: is to like to be the cultural ambassador of China and also to transfer like the practical like technology hmm. or techniques of China to all these uh, African countries. Could you talk a little bit about the volunteers themselves? I think, so in the, in the U.S. Peace Corps, you, you have to, you know, you have to apply and, and they have, they, they have a, a lot of standards for you to get in related to health, essentially that you don't die overseas. But mm -hmm. in terms of like real technical skills, it's not like Oh, you know, if if you if you have a, a background in agricultural engineering, we're gonna we're gonna mm -hmm. like recruit you. It, it 
it's sort of open to, to anyone who, who really wants to commit to helping people overseas and also promoting um, better U.S. relations abroad. Who is this open to in China, and can anybody get in? So, as I mentioned uh, um, before, this program is not like a very scaled-up like program. So, um, the Youth League of China is the is the the, the organization that is um, coordinating this program. So, it is like it has like different quotas of volunteers to different. African countries and those quotas are assigned to different the youth league of different provinces and in different provinces the youth league is going to uh, dispatch these quotas to different university and mainly there are like university uh, with professions in agriculture and things like that so in these universities there's a, a school organization called Youth Volunteers Association. Um, which is a organization that exists in most of the university in China, and it uh, you can say it belongs to Youth League. So this this organization is responsible for recruiting um, volunteers to Africa. Yeah. And when you say the Youth League, can you give mm-hmm. our audience a little background on what this Youth League is? It's it's the Communist Youth League. Is that correct? Yes, it's a communist uh, youth league. So it's like it's don't say like uh, in a very casual way. It's the younger version of the Communist Party of China. So it mainly exists in like uh, like universities or any like young organizations in China. So it's mainly like I think. Uh, like young Chinese become a youth league member when they are in like middle school or senior high school, and then when they reach twenty eight in their age, they quit the youth league, and but people can become a communist party member before that as well. And what sort of person mm-hmm. joins the youth league? Is it somebody who's committed to public service? Somebody who wants to mm. to help their country, like. W- w- because I want to know who goes into the youth league, so we can figure out from that group who will volunteer to to go to an African country. Okay, so basically, I would say like almost all Chinese young people belong to youth league. Actually, so it's like it's something that we became like when we we're in like fourteen, fifteen years old. So basically, like all Chinese used to be a youth league member. So it's like a political uh, organization. So it's one of like the political identity of Chinese young people, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's not exactly like an organization that is like Peace Corp or like um, all those uh, international organizations. It's not like that. It's more a political identity, I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of the volunteers themselves and, and the quota system, can can you talk about the sort of people who do volunteer to go out and what motivates them to volunteer? Okay, so I think the thing different from um, Peace Corps, like 
as comparison is like uh, in China, you, those like youth volunteers to Africa, they are mainly selected like in more like a techni- technical school, like with expertise, like in uh, agriculture or like if it's a sport volunteers, it's those like special schools for sports. So, um, and uh, from what I interviewed, like all these like ambassadors in African countries, it's like uh, they would like to select uh, students from the rural area of China, so that's like their like family background is not like very well off. So it's like so they are more willing to. Actually, I don't know if it makes sense, but I believe that they are more able to survive in Africa, like especially when some countries, like the living conditions is not as good as like big cities in China. That is completely understandable. Uh, and, uh-huh. and one of the reasons why uh, in, in the U.S. there's, there's a very limited pool of uh, Americans who can do the Peace Corps because it can be, and, and it's not always, but it can be you're put in situations where you have limited access to, to electricity or limited access to running yes. water, and, uh-huh. and it, takes, it takes a certain personality that, that, that not every American has, and I imagine maybe in China they're worried about the same thing as well. Yes, and also since I said it's not like a very skilled up program, like the allowance and like all those people the government can give the students is kind of like limited. So I think that is also uh, a reason to like to draw back like um, a larger pool of candidates like who wants to join this program and to Africa. Yeah, that's great. Can you talk about? how this program is funded and administered. Okay, so basically the uh, the Minister of Commerce of China is uh, is um, financing this program and also but like the uh, Youth League is coordinating like it's doing the implementation of this program so that means like recruiting volunteers and train them and uh, send them to African countries. So this is how it's ministered. Yeah. And also like the Chinese embassy, like in those African countries, they uh, talk with like the uh, ministries of like different uh, African countries to make sure that like what kind of volunteers they want and what kind of accommodation, transportation, like those uh, things they can uh, provide to those uh, African, uh, those Chinese volunteers when they come to Africa. So it's so it's like a collaboration between the Ministry of Commerce, the Youth League, and the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of China. That that sounds like um, mm-hmm. a, a really a really great really great way to to get the host country to get volunteers that, that would be more helpful. But mm-hmm. having, having been in environments uh, that, that see different agencies, um, different government agencies interact, it can be tough to have two or more government organs interact with each other efficiently. And I was wondering, are there any issues involved with the Youth League 
recruiting the volunteers, with MOFCOM administrating it, and with uh, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs giving instructions on what which countries want which people. Mm-hmm. So, like, in this mechanism, uh, mechanism, like, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs is mainly, like, just a channel of, like, sending, like, messages, like, information of, like, what kind of volunteers they 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 have demand for. And um, uh, actually, like, like, when I was doing this research, that was, like, three years ago, um, there is, like, a kind of disagreement between the Ministry of Commerce and the Youth League because, like, the Ministry of Commerce would like to see, like, this program to be scaled up. So it's trying to uh, to open up, like, more channels to recruit, like, uh, the youth volunteers. So, like, before I was doing this uh, research, I actually did not know the existence of this program as well. So that's why, like, the Ministry of Commerce, they would like to open this channel to more organizations that could, like, be part of this, like, recruiting and training and dispatching um, system so that more Chinese youth can know about this program, actually. Yeah, but on the side of the youth league, um, their opinion was like, because it's not a scaled up um, program, so if we open the channel too much, we don't have the capacity to actually send so many volunteers to African countries, given like the budget and um, what process like this program was seen. So that, that was their kind of a disagreement. Yeah. That's really quite interesting. It, you know, most mm-hmm. people who follow China-Africa relations will, they'll hear, oh, the Chinese government wants this, oh, the Chinese government wants that, and the Chinese government will do it, and the Chinese government will throw together a ton of money at the project. But what you're <laughs> describing is MOFCOM, which, for our listeners' knowledge, is the organ with, through which a lot of the big China-Africa projects get done or get administered or get coordinated. MOFCOM mm-hmm. wants something, but a different part of the Chinese government is saying, look, you know, we got to slow down, we don't have the capacity, we got we to gotta really kind of think about it. And this demonstrates that, that the different parts of the Chinese government uh, have different ideas of, of what the China-Africa relationship means. And, and I think that that's quite interesting. Do you have any idea who might be winning, for lack of a better term, that debate? within the, the, the Youth League and within MOFCOM? Uh, actually, personally, I was not quite sure because, like, the MOFCOM is the ministry that is providing budget, like, funds for this program, but, like, for human resources and everything, like, the Youth League is uh, doing this. So, actually, I was not quite sure, like, how it ended up, but... Um, but unfortunately, it's like uh, from what I uh, was aware of, like since 2012, like the program, it was not like as successful as uh, like it was used to be for the first I think in 2012, only two teams of volunteers are sent to two countries 
in Africa. So I didn't know like the figures and numbers uh, after 2012. So I don't know like how this program is in process right now. Because what I would say is like this system of the uh, like youth volunteers. So Africa is not as big and like uh, well in like publicity compared to like Peace Corps or even like the almost nobody has heard of China. this. Almost nobody has yeah. heard of this group. Yeah, yeah. So, so actually, like, 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 how this program is going? Like, what's the process of it, and how is it developing? It's not like in the eyes of like the public domains. Like, so after I was uh, doing this research. There's actually limited knowledge of this program that I can get after that. So I'm sorry for that. Can you talk about why you did this research? Like, what attracted you to this project and how you did your research? Like, what documents are available to you, or, or did you, what interviews are available to you? Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I got this research like with my professor that you mentioned, uh, Liu Haifang. So she got this uh, research like from the university and also like from the Minister of Commerce. So after that, I was doing this research with her. Uh, and uh, uh, the way that we conduct this research like is mainly like we got interviews with like all these. Um, ambassadors from African countries in China. So we visit like different embassies in Beijing and interview like either like the the ambassador himself or like the officials that is in charge of this program. Hmm. And also we uh, we also like get interviews from uh, like some senior officials from the youth league that is in charge of this program. And also, we had this opportunity to interview some of the Chinese volunteers that used to work in those African countries. So we did um, basically we did a lot of interviews, and uh, for like documentations and stuff, we did have access to some of like the um, governmental documents like describing this uh, um, this program and how can and like some of the policies for these volunteers, like how is it recruited, what will be their like living standards in those countries and stuff like that. We have this uh, official document, but uh, it's not like a very whole, like comprehensive package. So, because uh, as I said, like several times, it's not like a very scaled up program. So everything was like in the startup process. So. Actually, our research is to it's about like how to improve this mechanism so that like this program can be scaled up. Yeah. So this is the equivalent of a Chinese government startup. Yeah, like an experimental program to be like scaled up or to see if we can actually have something that that is like as successful and big as Peace Corps or other like those um, development agencies in other countries. What, if if you are a, uh, a Chinese Communist Youth League volunteer and you, you go to one of these countries and you come back, 
what happens to you? Mm-hmm. Do you do you have a, a better chance of working for MoFCOM or the Ministry of Foreign Affairs? Um, what 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 are the 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 tangible benefits besides you know helping people all over the world? But what are the tangible benefits of being a volunteer? Um, actually, this is part of my research after this when I was like writing my graduation thesis because. Uh, one thing I found like problematic about this program is like when the volunteers they come back they don't have like a very tangible or systematic benefit they can get from this program. Of course, it's like they knew like the officials from like the Chinese side and everything when they were doing like like volunteers in African countries, so they can have their personal like network built up so that that might help them with their job searching or promotion when they come back, but it's never uh, like a systematic like benefit system that when they come back they can get like this and that, this and that, so that it's helpful for their future career. So that's why I did my uh, graduate like graduate thesis on like what's the benefit system for Peace Corps when they return from their um, position in Africa. Can you let our listeners know what the benefit system for for Peace Corps volunteers? Yes, it's like they get promote. They they get like first of all when they come back they have a budget. It's oh, I forgot the name. It's like they get this uh, monthly allowance. Uh, it's not that much. I think it's about like two three hundred something like that, like a month. Uh, but it's given for twenty seven months since they they come back from Africa, uh, those developing countries. And also they got scholarship to continue their studies in like top universities in the U.S. And also if they want to be like federal civil servants, they have their special channel. And their two years in the position is counted as like years they serve as civil servants. So they have like a whole system of... Um, like uh, of benefits after they become a volunteer, uh, volunteer at Peace Corps. Yeah. Wow. Well, mm-hmm. that, that 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 sounds really fascinating. Thank you so much for for sharing your 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 research. What what do you personally believe is going to happen with this program? Do you believe that in in five years, in ten years, it will be scaled up? It will be better organized, there will be better benefits for the volunteers, or is that is it too early to say and it's something that, that you, you feel comfortable talking about? Okay, so actually, to be frank, I have no idea about this program, if it's going to scale up or not, but like as the new government of China is in position, I can, you can, like every, everyone can, you'll see that like, um, like, the new government is still like very serious about like the Chinese relation, like Chinese China Africa relations. Mm. So it's also like one of the things that the new government is going to focus on. So uh, and also like from what I know, it's like the China is building like cultural cultural center like in different countries of. Uh, Africa, like Tanzania, Kenya, and all those countries. So I think it's going to exist, maybe not as like youth volunteers to Africa, this specific program, but like as other other ways of like existence is going to be like better. That's what I understand.
Yeah. Well, that's great to hear. And um, the the last thing uh, is, could could you tell our audience more about China House and your role in China House? Because we had we had Hong Shang on, I mean, a, a while back, and this is, I think, before China House was officially formed or right after. So could you let us know mm -hmm. w more about what China House is doing and what you're doing and maybe how they might want to get involved with China House? This sounds like something that might be interesting for them. Okay, okay. Actually, I really appreciate this chance to promote China House. So China House is a social enterprise. It's actually the first Chinese social enterprise that is open like solely by Chinese African countries to um help like Chinese like Chinese investors and Chinese like overall to uh integrate better into African communities. So we have mainly four domains of work that uh, we're doing right now. So the first is uh, corporate social responsibility. It's like we help Chinese uh, companies in in Africa now. It's like Kenya to do CSR project to for their business and the operation to benefit the the local communities. And the second thing that we do is like we help Chinese companies to do investment research like in African countries and so that they are and try to leave their way of investment to be more environmental and socially friendly so that it can actually benefit the community as well. And also we do some we cooperate with uh African NGOs and international organizations on some like more direct uh, like projects like elephant conservation, wildlife protection, and environment protection. And also, we have a uh, independent like self-run media that is called uh, China Self Dialogue, which looks like different issues that um, like the Chinese involvement in develop in developing countries. So this is the fourth domain of our uh, nation here in Africa. And recently we've been focusing mostly on our CSR projects. And everybody at China House speaks English, right? The, the, China, the China South website is, has an English component. Um, the, you deal with a lot of African NGOs in, in English. So if you're an English speaker, you, you, you can you can learn a lot about China House already, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yes, like most of our members like are are having like this education background in uh, America and all these European countries uh, or like Hong Kong. And even like the our members like from universities in China were definitely like good English speakers because it's a necessity for us because we have to communicate with like local people, local communities and stuff. So that's actually one of our necessities. And for our like the media platform now, uh, we do have an English version, but not like all the articles are translated into English. But this is something that we are working on because it's like very crucial for like, the international communities to also know what we're doing with the Chinese like involvement in developing countries that is like very crucial. So it's also what we're doing right now. Uh, that's a, a really good point and, and that's something that I, that I want to highlight. Um, and uh, there, there are going to be 
uh, criticisms of, of the way different Chinese actors engage with Africa, and I will criticize as well. However, there are a lot of really good things that individual Chinese um, entrepreneurs or Chinese companies are doing, and there are also Chinese NGOs or social enterprises that are doing really wonderful things, and it's very important for anybody interested in the China-Africa relationship to realize the good with the bad and, and the way things are improving, and that's why I personally like China House because I know Hong Chang Huang and I like the, the China South dialogue and I like a lot of the stuff you guys are doing. Uh, but it's also important Thank that, you. that our so audience much. knows mm -hmm. that you guys are out there. So the next time they hear about elephant poaching and, and, and Chinese domestic demand, they also have to understand that a lot of Chinese people themselves are trying to find ways to, to change that. and help African wildlife in a, in a, in a way that will impact a lot, of, a lot of people. Yes, yes, that's what, that is the message that we're trying to send like, to others. It's like Chinese investments, like Chinese companies, they are not like, like they're just like destroying the environment. They're just like care about like the resource and everything it's like china is a very big country and we have like different people and many of us are really care about like like wildlife we care about like how our business how our involvement with those like communities can really benefit them can really help them and yeah that is what we're trying to do here tremendous do you have anything mm -hmm. else you would like to add before we go on to recommendations uh, yes, it's like now we're having our new uh, season of recruiting like members to join China House. So uh, right now we're mainly focusing on like uh, like young professionals with expertise in media and communication and also in business research. So if you are interested, you can always go to our website and uh, apply for this position because China House is a very interesting place. We have like very interesting people uh, here, like working and living together. So it'll be fun to join us, and we can do something together to help the Chinese, like in Africa, and also lo local community in Africa as well. And if yeah. if somebody applies to to be a China House fellow, mm -hmm. what? What happens? Do they 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 live in China House in Kenya? They how long is the fellowship program? Um, let our let our listeners know what what's going on with this. Okay, so uh, if you become like a China House fellow, you can live in China House with us, and you don't have to pay the rent. So it's mainly our fellowship. Our fellows come here. The period. Three, years, three months, but if you can contribute like more time, we uh, welcome that. But like, we would like like the fellows to be here at least for three months, because then you can get involved out in all these projects better. And yeah. Okay. That's it. Sounds mm -hmm. sounds fantastic. All right. Well, do you have any recommendations for our listeners besides China House? Yeah, come to Kenya. It's a very interesting place to be. And I know people are worried about like Ebola and all like the 
domestic security issues in this country, but I would like to say I've been there for three months and I definitely love it. And I do recommend people to come here and also to visit China House. Sorry, it's about China House again. So, yeah, that's <laughs> well, my recommendation. <laughs> is there another specific place they should visit in Kenya? Either a city or maybe um, a restaurant or a bookstore? Or what, what do you recommend somebody to do in Kenya that, that you find personally interesting? Yeah, um, I would recommend like some like cities by the sea. I know like Mombasa, Lamu, they are like very famous and very touristic, but like there are other cities by the sea that are also like very beautiful, especially like those big cities that are now quite safe right now. So maybe you can go to Malindi or Tamu, those like small towns by the beach. They're gorgeous and they're not so much like touristic. So you can live like a very local and pleasant life there. Mm. Yeah. That's my recommendation. I definitely love those places. I've been there twice and I love it. Mm. Well, maybe one of our listeners will catch you at the beach one day. Yeah. All right. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for joining us for, for today. Yeah, and thank you so much for inviting me to, uh, to talk to you today. It's really my pleasure. And, and yes, uh, we, we'd like to thank you. We'd like to thank African Development Jobs. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, on Stitcher, uh, on, on a number of other um, uh, podcast platforms, as well as we're working on a distribution channel with a college to, to get these episodes up. I'd, we'd also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for proposing the theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.